0: But have a car ride like that? I feel like every car ride I have with my kids is like that now, except it has me in the front yelling in the back, stop it! Now this is the last week of our series and we're talking about questions from Jesus and today we're talking about that one time that Jesus said, who touched me? Now probably not like he just witnessed hopefully, although I do kind of have this image in my mind of the disciples like on the back of a donkey or something or like, that's your side of the donkey, this is my side of the donkey. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about a different question, and that question was, why are you afraid? And that's when Jesus calmed the storm, asked the disciples, you know, his followers, why they didn't have faith. So right after he calmed the storm, they went across this lake, and Jesus healed a demon-possessed man, and then they come back across the lake, and that's where we're going to kind of talk about today. And when he arrived at the shore... There was a huge crowd waiting for him, including a local religious leader named Jairus. Jairus wanted Jesus' help to heal his sick daughter. So Jesus decided, okay, I'm going to go with him. And that's where we pick up the story today. We're going to be in Mark 5 most of today. Now, Mark 5, 24, this is what it says. Jesus went with them it's Jairus, and all the people followed crowding around him. There are a lot of people there. You know, they're pressing up against Jesus, making it hard to walk, making it hard to communicate. I have this image in my head, you know, of how people like follow a big celebrity or a sports star trying to get that autograph, trying to get a high five when we're allowed to high five each other still. You know, they they just wanted a piece of Jesus. So Mark 5.25, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She'd suffered a great deal from many debtors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. Now doctors are awesome and I'm thankful for modern medicine, but I think we can all kind of relate to this type of experience. This woman really wanted it but couldn't get the help that she desperately wanted. So here's some context that you need to kind of know for this to really take full shape, because of her condition, this constant bleeding, she would have been considered unclean. Religiously, she couldn't go to church. And this was before Church Online, you know, everybody online, but it was before that. This was kind of COVID before COVID. You know, it's that type of situation. She couldn't touch anyone. If she did, they would have been considered unclean. She couldn't be touched by anyone. And that went on for 12 years. She would have been expected in this crowd to yell, unclean, unclean, to keep people away from her. She was actually breaking the law by being there at all. So Mark 5:27, she'd heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and she touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. I mean, amazing, right? And she thought, just reach out and touch someone. I think that's a song, but reach out and touch someone and then she'll be healed and it worked and it worked immediately. So verse 30, Jesus realized at once... That healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? And I love how the disciples respond to this. And this is an example of the Bible being funny. This is verse 31. His disciples said to him, look at the crowd pressing around you like, uh, Jesus, um, how can you ask who touched me? Because we all have touched you. Like, she is and he is and he is. And, you know, if we're in the Midwest and we're in a big crowd, like there would have been a lot of like, sorry, excuse me. Oh, you're like, pardon me, go ahead. You know, that type of thing. I don't know if that was the case there. But they're going, uh, how can we answer this question? Like, this is a silly question. But Jesus knew something had happened, even with that many people around him. He felt it. He knew. So in verse 32, he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. Jesus was more concerned with meeting the woman than the miracle had just happened, which I think is pretty incredible. But the woman was frightened. Why? I mean, she'd just been healed, right? Well, remember, she's breaking the law. And touching Jesus meant she actually made Jesus unclean, this would have been humiliating to be asked, what is she doing there in front of everybody? But Jesus meets her with care. He meets her with compassion. And he says in verse 34, he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I mean, what a story, right? When I read something like this, you know, this, this kind of phrase jumps out at me. This is kind of one of the takeaways from this story. Faith in Jesus can heal in this life. Jesus has the authority to heal us. I mean, Jesus actually goes on from this conversation, and he ends up healing Jairus' daughter, so he went from, you know, a miracle at the storm to a miracle healing this demon-possessed man to a miracle healing the bleeding woman to a miracle healing Jairus' daughter. It's kind of like, Oprah, you get a miracle, you get a miracle, everybody get a miracle, look under your seats, you got a miracle yourself. And if we don't pay attention, I think it's easy to get lost in all of the miracles and all of the healing and, and we lose the point. Our faith our faith isn't about healing, at least in this way. Our faith is about Jesus who can heal. That's just a small distinction, but I think it's an important one because there's a question that comes along with this story that I just can't shake. Maybe even more today than, than ever before. Here's some questions that come along with it. What do we do? What do we do when we have faith and the healing doesn't happen? What do we do when God's answer to a faith-filled prayer is no? Yesterday evening, a beautiful young woman named Sarah passed away after fighting cancer. Fifteen years old. Her family attends here at the Ridge, and maybe you've joined the prayers for her that included prayers for healing It's heartbreaking. But it also happens, it happens in our families every day. What about all those other people that were pressing up against Jesus? Why didn't he heal all of them? Why just one or two? I mean, what do we do when we have the faith, but the healing doesn't come? What are we to do when the circumstances don't change or the mental illness remains or the illness returns after remission? Now hear me, I believe we should pray to God to heal people, to heal our hearts, to heal our world. He has the authority to do so. He can do so. We see it in this story. He does it sometimes, and we should ask him to do it. But just because God can do something doesn't mean he must do it. That's where I get myself into trouble, you know? Because I think if I can just pray enough, if I can just believe enough, if I can just grasp the edge of the robe, that Jesus has to heal me, that he's required to do so. Because of my faith. And I think things like faith equals healing. Faith equals safety. Faith equals security. But sometimes he doesn't do it. And in those times, what are we left with? You know, We can either conclude that we just don't have enough faith. Or we can conclude that God will keep his promise maybe just not in the way we think. Now, the story about Jesus is near and dear to my heart because of Sarah and her story and because the woman in this story reminds me of my mom. My mom developed a chronic cough when she was pregnant with me and the cough never went away. I've actually never known my mom without the cough. And at times I even struggle with feeling guilty because it came up when she was pregnant with me. And it's completely changed her life. I mean, imagine being in a restaurant or being at a concert or being in church and you can't stop coughing. And it's not a little tickle in your throat, little veins, you know, popping out of your neck getting red in your face, you know, people turning and staring and saying nasty things type of coughing. I've seen it with my own eyes. Every single grandchild has asked about the cough. She's seen doctors and nurses and gone to clinics, tried every home remedy and solution that you can think of. And you better believe she's prayed for healing. And she still believes that she could be healed, but she hasn't, at least yet, coughing every day for 37 years. And when I read this story about this bleeding woman, I see this woman who had faith and was healed. And I can't help but think of Sarah. And I can't help but think of this other woman, my mom, who hasn't been healed, at least yet, and I ask myself, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, what do I do when the answer from God is no? Well, I'm thankful that I could do something. I asked my mom. I'd like to introduce you to my mom. This is Joyce. Hi. So, mom. Thank you for doing this. Mm -hmm. Thank you for telling some of your story, but my deal to you was if I got to interview you about this, you got to tell an embarrassing story about me. There are many, but this story
1: is when you were two. Okay. And you were very active and very curious. It got quiet in the house and I was like, oh dear, where's Adam? And I went in the kitchen and you had opened the refrigerator, taken out a carton of eggs and proceeded to learn that eggs don't bounce. And the egg mess was everywhere, including under the refrigerator. So I learned that I needed to put a lock on the refrigerator and that I needed to know where you were every minute of every
0: day. I bet I was cute though. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The two years old, the same. You were adorable, but So I've, I've, told everybody a little bit about your story and about your cough. Just tell me a little bit about what that journey has been like for you.
1: Well, it's been hard. This has not been an easy journey. I've I've seen multiple doctors. I've been on multiple medicines and I've been on that roller coaster that goes, yay, we can fix it, and then you find out Six weeks later, no, we can't. Um, It has damaged my larynx so that I can't sing. I'm short of breath now. I have to use my nebulizer four times a day. So the journey has been, it it has taken a toll on me physically. It has taken a toll on me emotionally. Uh, I fight with depression. It has taken a toll on me spiritually because I, I've had some issues with God.
0: Yeah, as you're trying to kind of process all of that, mm-hmm. as it's impacted, you know, life and family and what you can do and what you can't do and all that type of stuff. And it's been 37 years, you know, of, of this cough and you know, that progression for you and, and that journey in your life. So how do you process, as you've prayed, God answer being no to healing or to taking that away. You know, what has that been like in your life?
1: Well, you start out thinking it's not going to be that bad. And then you come to the point that, well, maybe I need to get it investigated. And then you get on that roller coaster. And once you get on the roller coaster, then you start having reactions like anger. And you want to bargain. you want to make a deal with God. If You heal me, then I'll do this. I went into a, a deep pit of despair. And that was, that's hard because I felt that God didn't care. So I um, started looking in the Bible for answers. And answers The answers came differently than what I thought they were going to be. So I looked at Job, who had this wonderful life and had it all taken away from him. And he's talking uh, to his friends and they're not helping. He asked for an audience with God and he really wants to know why. And he even has said, I wish I was never born. And God goes, fine, I'll have an audience with you. Okay, Job where were you when I made the earth and where were you when I created the stars? Were you you around for all of that? And Job's response was this. I got nothing. And Job's lesson was, God is God. Job is not God. I am not God. So you keep on going, okay. So I I knew about uh, Paul and the thorn in the flesh. You had talked about it earlier. And I thought, well, look at that. And then God's answer to Paul was, by grace, is sufficient for you. And Paul's takeaway is, am I enough? Is God enough, even if I don't heal you? And I didn't like that answer either. And then one time when I was reading my Bible during Lent, I got to the um, Gethsemane piece, where Jesus is praying to God. And he prays three times for God to take away and to provide another way, a way out. God said no, and Jesus said, not my will but yours. And that stopped me dead cold. Because that was, number one, God said no to Jesus. That was amazing to me that Jesus heard the word no from God. And that his response was, not my will but thine. God is in control. This is a long journey, and it didn't happen overnight. Eventually, I got to the point where you understand when Paul says, set your minds and hearts on things above and not on earthly things. I tried to um, trust in God, live every day, one day at a time, because those are some of the lessons I've learned. But it didn't take, it took 37 years for me to get to this point.
0: And it's still a roller coaster, right? It still is. There's still days that, you know, there's anger and there's still days that you're questioning. I mean, it's this this processing, it's this constantness. So if you have this opportunity to speak to somebody uh, who is dealing with this type of stuff, who who has a request for God, whether that's healing or something else in their life... What would you say to somebody that you know has some of the same questions or or situations that you've been in?
1: I would say I'm sorry. Um, I know it's hard. I would say God is. Remember that God is God, and you are not God. He will provide. He will keep you strong till the end. Um, he will heal. But He is God and that's hard,
0: because I am not. So, what gives you hope today?
1: Hope comes from knowing that there is a better place, that there is a better time. I will be healed. I will sing. I will uh, be able to run. Cause mammals don't run. <laughs> um, I will be able to. I will be able to do things that I cannot do here on Earth, but I will also be able to be with God, and and to dwell in His presence. Oh, that would be really cool. And that's the hope. Um, Do I have hope that I'll be healed? And do I think I could be healed? Absolutely. And if I am, everybody in Indiana and the US will know about it, probably the world. Um, But if I am not healed, I'm okay with that, because God is in control.
0: I'm thankful for people with faith, like the one in the story, like my mom. My mom said we're not God. And faith in Jesus is not dependent on if He does what we want. Faith in Jesus believes He will heal us and is also okay if He doesn't. And like she said, Jesus even said, not my will, but yours be done. God said no to Jesus. And we're actually talking about you know, not my will, but yours be done next week as we start that dangerous prayers series. I mean, Remember the takeaway. You know, the who touched me takeaway without any context around it. We can say faith in Jesus can heal in this life. And I think it's still true. The faith from this woman stopped Jesus in his tracks. He told her that her faith has made her well. But this phrase doesn't get to all of it. I think we need to add another phrase. Faith in Jesus will heal in eternal life. The first phrase gives us hope for today the second phrase gives us hope not just for today but also for tomorrow and these two schools of thought that God will never heal anyone miraculously today or that God will always heal a person if there's enough faith they both kind of put God in this box God is saying I can heal I don't always and Revelation 21 4 describes it this way God will wipe every tear from our eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. This is a glimpse of heaven. God's goal through Jesus isn't suffering, it isn't pain, it isn't illness. It is to heal. That's the promise. God will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. In eternity, they're gone. Forever. I mean, like the guy from the movie Sandlot, you know, forever. It's gone. Faith in Jesus can heal in this life. Faith in Jesus will heal in eternal life. And that's an amazing, hope-filled promise. A promise to people who need healing today. A promise to my mom. I mean, there will be a day when she no longer has to deal with coughing or stares or awkward questions. And if she's healed in this life, it could be tomorrow. And if not, it will be in eternity. There's hope in that promise. There's hope in the promise to Sarah and to Sarah's family. The promise that she's already singing and dancing with Jesus, a new body with no pain or sorrow. And it's a promise to you with whatever you've got going on in your life. If you surrender your life to Jesus and you have faith and believe that He died on the cross for your sins where we fall short, Faith that he rose again and conquered death and in conquering of death, he also conquers sorrow and pain and crying. It's a promise that no matter what, if there's faith in him, you will be healed in eternity. And if you don't know what you believe, if you're still figuring out what you believe, hear this story both as a promise that Jesus has the authority to heal today And the promise that he will heal tomorrow. God knows what healing you need. He sees you, he hears you, he loves you, he wants what's best for you, and he asks you to have faith in Jesus, not because he needs it, but because it's what helps us. And a faith in Jesus that can be full of trust and that can say, thy will be done, you know, not my will but yours be done, God. Because we know and we have hope that faith in Jesus will it will heal us in eternal life forever. Bow your heads with me. I'd like to pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, this type, of, uh, this type of concept is something that I think we can understand in our, in our heads. But at least for me, it, it takes a while for it to sink into my heart Um. Because there's still this desire that, that I have, maybe that we have, that you know, that because you can heal in this life, that, that you should. And there are times that you do, and I'm thankful for those. There are times that you don't, and, and God, we're trying to be thankful for those too. I am thankful that faith in Jesus can impact us today, and that faith in Jesus will change. Impact us tomorrow, and we will be healed of whatever is in our heart, is in our head, is in our body, is in our soul. We will be healed because that's how much you love us. And so we ask today, as we kind of go into our week, to help us remember that, help us to have that perspective, and help us to pray that prayer that's hard to pray, but that is the prayer you answer Thy will be done, not my will, but yours, God. We love you and we're thankful for Jesus and the cross and it's in his name that we pray today. Amen.